Dr. Martin Senavaratna is a 2017 Roden Cutler New South Wales Sir John Monash Scholar. He has a Master's of Biomedical Informatics at the University of Stanford, where he worked on the development and implementation of machine learning tools using electronic health record data. Martin was also elected as the youngest board director of the Health Informatics Society of Australia, served as a clinical reference lead to the Australian Digital Health Agency, and was a representative of the World Economic Forum in Davos. That is quite the achievement. Martin, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Okay, so you've previously studied and worked in the US and the UK, but you're joining us from Sydney today. What brought you back to Australia? Yeah, I am back for a visit uh, for an extended stint, about 10 weeks time after having not been able to to come back home during the pandemic. Uh, Normally based in in London, um, I've been wanting to get, uh, my partner's also Australian, we've been wanting to get back for a for a while, but obviously difficult to travel these days. So um, mm. we've we, we've waited until now. It's lovely to be home. I bet it is. Is it not? Was it nice flying in to Sydney after all that time? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, we. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's always good to replace London winter with with the Sydney summer. But just yeah, something um, very special about about kind of returning to Sydney. This is very much home for both of us. And I think, you know, we have plans to come back in the, in the medium term back to Sydney. So, um, yeah, yeah, nice, nice to be back here. Was the, uh, was the flight full or reasonably empty coming back? I'm always interested to hear these stories, whether there was anyone on the plane or not. Yeah, it was, it was pretty full. I mean, I think, um, you know, after some of the hotel quarantine was lifted, people, have been waiting for a long time to get home and, and there are a lot of others in our camp. So it was it was almost full actually, the flight. Did you have to do quarantine? Uh, no, no. We, we, we sort of did a self-imposed quarantine until we were able to get a, a PCR test, but um, we didn't have to do the hotel quarantine. And, you know, we yeah. got a test before flying and everything and been vaccinated. So, yeah. But um, Christmas back in Australia, that must be nice. Oh, can't beat it, yeah. So how long were you in London for? Been in London for three years now, uh, working at at Google in their health team. Um, so that's you know we've had a bit of a, a roundabout path over the last few years. Um, left Australia in twenty seventeen um, through the Monash Scholarship to go to Stanford. Yeah, uh, was in the Bay Area for two years, uh, and back to Australia for uh, a short stint doing some clinical work, uh, and then this opportunity came up at Google, or what was then DeepMind Health in London. Yeah. And so moved across, moved across to the UK at the beginning of 2019. Amazing. So um, why don't you tell us what you're, if you can, what you are doing with Google? I imagine that would be an amazing place to work. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we have a team. Um, so there is a, a large effort at Google working on healthcare. Um, across a whole number of different projects, um, everything from applications of machine learning to radiology and, and dermatology and other medical imaging specialties, right through to um, you know how do we build software for hospitals? How do we make um, 
Google search more accurate and kind of avoid medical misinformation. Um, and oh, then, Dr. Google. Dr. Google, exactly. Right? So, um, you are a doctor working for Google. Yeah, Google Docs, yeah. They're actually <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, me specifically, I um, have spent most of my time working on sort of hospital software um, yes. where we're trying to think about how, you know, how, how can Google has expertise, right, in, in organizing and, and visualizing information. And that's been one of the real Achilles heels in healthcare. Like there are all of these data silos where information is spread across different systems and hospitals don't talk to one another, let alone hospitals and GPs and the data that patients are collecting themselves. Mm -hmm. So my real passion, I guess what, what took me to Stanford in the first place and what I'm now kind of working on at Google is trying to sort of bridge some of those information barriers and help to organize health information in a, in a clearer way. And so yeah. mainly working on that in a hospital context of how do we build tools to help clinicians in the hospital, you know, visualize the data better and, you know, make more informed decisions. Um, but then also, you know, I have a secondary project um, that is focused more on kind of community health settings in, in lower resource countries. So it's mainly focused on India at the moment. Mm -hmm. kind of how, how do we help to collect uh, mobile health data. Have you figured that out yet? This is uh, a sort of early work in progress, but you know, there, are, there are 4 billion Android smartphones in the world and already so many projects that are using mobile phones as a, as a sort of channel for delivering healthcare, right? Giving mm. mobile phones to community health workers who go door to door and deliver primary care you know, putting those phones in, in, you know, in the hands of patients and trying to empower them to manage their own care. And there are already all of these things happening in that space. But, you know, again, there are these same problems with data siloing where, you know, one app doesn't speak to another app and you have sort of this fragmented data ecosystem that means that we can't make use of all of this health data that is being collected. And so kind of our main mission is to create infrastructure that makes it easier for developers to build, you know, digital health apps in a standardized way that collects clean standardized data that can speak to different, you know, parts of the health system. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, that mission kind of applies in the hospital setting, but it also applies in this, sort of more lower resource, grassroots, community healthcare workers. Because mm. when you think of Google, I think the layman would probably think, yeah, well, I'll just Google that as like this massive tech company that's a search engine for want of um, a simple term. But, you know, the application into health, I think, is an amazing step forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's happening across the board in terms of, you know, technology companies becoming becoming more interested in healthcare. And I think it's it's a it's a good thing. You know, I I got interested in that interface space because of frustrations really as a junior doctor kind of working on on the front lines of healthcare and seeing this disparity between such high end, you know, medical imaging devices that we have yes. that could yep. 
visualize your heart beating in 3D and, and the particles of flow of blood running through your heart, right? Or, or the pharmacotherapy that we have that can modify, you know, your immune system. It's amazing advances in medical technology. But then, you know, back then, you know, even as recently as 2016, 17, we were still using paper in a lot of the major hospitals in Australia. And, you know, information would be lost and, and, and tasks would kind of sometimes not get followed up on. And, and it, it relied on, you know, these sort of hero patients and hero clinicians going above and beyond to make sure nothing was lost. But really the technology was not, was, was not doing them any favors. And so that was the kind of disparity that got me interested in, in the interface. And I think it's the same kind of thing that, that, that Google Health and, and, and Apple and a number of these technology companies that are interested in healthcare have observed. And so I'm really excited about what's going to happen in, in this space, really. So how you mentioned uh, starting off as a young doctor, how did all of that begin for you? Yeah, so I, I was studying medicine at Sydney Uni and um, kind of going through this. And was that, was that straight out of school? Um, so I studied this combined medicine program at the University of Sydney, which allows you to do uh, an undergrad in something different and then go into the grad medical program. Yeah, um, yep. And I think that was, you know, that was a deliberate choice for, for me coming out of high school because I, I think I, you know, I, some might say I wasn't sure, you know, I, I, I would say in some ways I wasn't sure what I wanted to do after, after school and when I grew up and I'm still to an extent not sure. Uh, but it was, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right. But, you know, I was also kind of interested in, in the hybrid stuff, right? Like the, yeah. the things that at the interface between fields. And so this was this, at the time, this was in 2006 that I finished school. Um, okay. The program had just, um, had just fairly recently been launched and it was kind of offering this hybrid approach to medical education where you could pair it with, with something different. And so mm-hmm. I did an undergrad in physics um, where I did a bunch of, you know, math wow. kind of technical subjects and then yeah. medicine after that. And I think that led me to, to be, be interested all the way through med school and then in my junior In other stuff, yeah. In, in the sort of the, the, the quantitative side of medicine, sort of the technical um, elements of it. And so, you know, there are many many paths up the mountain and a lot of, you know, it's never a straight line, Martin. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, so I, you know, dabbled in many different things, but what really kept piquing my interest was this sort of medical technology space, digital health, um, digital health, yeah. which was different to a lot of other paths in medicine in the sense that it wasn't as mature. And I think as a result, perhaps I was, able to get a little bit more, you know, a little bit more opportunity and, and, and a chance for flexibility and creativity earlier on in, in my career, you know, even as a student, because the field was so new and developing. Yes. So, you know, worked on a bunch of research projects, um, you know, got involved, uh, you know, as you, as you said in your intro in this Health Informatics Society of Australia, which I think if I'd if I'd been on a more traditional medical path, I think that would have taken me another several decades to kind of, yeah. you know, be, yep. be, be in, in that environment. But it was such a, 
exciting time, I think, in, in sort of six, seven, eight years ago in digital health in Australia where things were starting, you know, there were, there were a lot of startups just coming off the ground, a lot mm-hmm. of excitement in, in that space. And so I really uh, got, <laughs> you know, got very interested in this world of digital health. And so have gone further and further down that pathway in the years that followed. And are you still, um, you're obviously still actively involved in that space. Yeah, very much so. So what I cut my teeth on back in Australia were a couple of research projects. Um, yeah. One, you know, with the, there was, was one with the, with the George Institute um, based here in Sydney where we were trying to develop a, a toolkit for uh, community cardiovascular screening where we, um, you know, had a, an iPad app where the nurses would lead patients through a kind of cardiovascular risk score out in, you know, a community clinic. And the app would auto-generate some uh, sort of cardiovascular and diabetes and chronic kidney disease risk profiles that would help to then triage patients to different lifestyle interventions, right? Yeah, okay. And, and you know, simple stuff. But I say this because now, skip forward seven, eight years, I think, you know, we, we are interested in a lot of the same problems at, at Google. And I see a lot of the, uh, a lot of startups and a lot of academic projects working on very similar things. And very successfully. I saw, I saw a, an AI health tech company last week raise, I think, $130 million Australian dollars. Like the, the, the sector is booming. That's right. Yes. It's a very, a very, um, uh, sort of a buzzing space at the moment. Absolutely. Mm. And you were involved in Cancer Aid, I believe. That was, uh, that's another health tech startup. Tell us about Cancer Aid. Yeah. Cancer Aid is a terrific company that's also kind of been one of the pioneers, I think, of digital health startups in Australia. Um, I was involved in the early days, um, before I left to the, the US, um, where essentially this, this was a project born out of uh, sort of frustrations with how things were done in the clinic. Um, the two co-founders uh, were working as radiation oncologists at the mm-hmm. same hospital that I was at in Sydney and felt that there was this real disconnect between the patients and you know, who, the patients who kind of wanted a digital solution and then some of the you know, paper brochures and information leaflets that they would be handed. And so mm. initially it started as a way to sort of digitize some of that patient information. Mm. And in the years that's fo- that have followed, it's, it's really blossomed into kind of a, a much more comprehensive sort of um, patient support program where patients who, who are diagnosed with, with cancer are connected with nurses who uh, kind of guide them through a support program, call them, who can connect them with digital resources. Uh, there are tools to track their symptoms over time. Uh, and so this, this continues under um, kind of the leadership of one of the founders, Raghav, and it's really doing uh, fantastically back here in Australia. Um, mm. So yeah, very, very proud of cancer. Aid. So Stanford, that was the university you chose when you won the John Monash scholarship. I'm, I'm keen to know the thought process around why you applied for the scholarship and what was it um, that made you choose Stanford? 
Yeah, so in terms of why I applied for the Monash, it was really this desire to kind of fix a problem around siloed health data and the sort of disparity that we were talking about before around between some of the pointy end of medical technology and and then the, the software that wraps around it that often isn't sort of uh, up to scratch. And so I um, I really wanted to learn more about that and, and specifically how do we use the, the volumes of data that we're starting to generate with these electronic medical record systems? How do we use that in a kind of more intelligent way to personalize care and, you know, improve quality and, and, you know, give information to, to patients, right? So mm-hmm. it was sort of both from a system level, but also, you know, at a very kind of human level, seeing a patient in front of you that I think of so many stories where the, a, a critical part of uh, the, the patient experience is just being able to sort of have control over your, your information and, and know what's going on. Um, and I, I think digital tools can be a real, really amazing tool to, um, to offer that. So anyway, I um, decided I wanted to get more sort of experience and um, yeah. expertise in digital health. And so after I finished my resident year in, at RPA Hospital in Sydney, I um, took some. So let's let's do it. I yeah. thought, let's do it. Let's take some some time out of the kind of traditional clinical training pathway and kind of learn more. Shake it up a bit. Yeah, I love it. Health, right? Uh, and in terms of why Stanford, I think it had gained this reputation as really a hotbed for uh, health technology innovation. Um, mm. Sitting in the Bay Area, surrounded by a lot of startup activity surrounded by some yeah. of these sort of technology companies in the world, but also with this world-class hospital kind of connected to the university on its doorstep, right? This was a real, really amazing sandbox for health data science. Um, mm-hmm. And it turned out that the, the time that I sort of arrived there in 2017, kind of through for the next couple of years, was this this real, I, I think, real sort of renaissance period in uh, health AI where mm, uh, there yeah. were some landmark papers published, some some of the kind of leading companies in the space today were founded around that time. And so there was this amazing energy there um, around, you know, what, what can we do to apply this AI, you know, the, 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 the powers that are starting to... Um, kind of become the, the functions that are becoming possible with AI to the domain of healthcare. Uh, so it was a very exciting time to, to be at Stanford for sure. And so what was it like studying there? It was, you know, I, I often say like the, the real value of going overseas to studies is more, more than just the curriculum or the courses. It's the community of people that you interact with and also the, the, the mental bandwidth that you get in terms of kind of exploring your interests. And so for me, I had spent the last X years, you know, head down in, in med school and then in junior doctor years, kind of trying to, I'm becoming very familiar with the problems, but often not having very much time to 
you know, work on solutions. And this was mm. what ended up being a, a two-year period where I had a lot of personal flexibility and, and time for creativity to, to really think about, you know, what, what are the problems that are important to the field and how might, you know, we try and tackle them. Um, so I would say that far and away was the, the most important and valuable part of the experience. But then, you know, second to that is the community of people that you're put in touch with. So exactly. As, exactly. You would have had some amazing teachers, I imagine. Yeah, no, absolutely. They're, you know, I think one thing Stanford did very well was building a cross-disciplinary community. So the department that my program was in sort of sat officially within the medical school, but mm-hmm. there were a lot of faculty from the computer science department and biomedical, yeah, biomedical engineering, um, even, you know, statistics and maths and economics in some cases, um, because, you know, these, this field of health AI, like kind of so many of the sort of buzzing fields at the moment, that is an interdisciplinary field where you need input from people of all different backgrounds. And I think Stanford made for, like had really leaned into that. Um, so that played out in the makeup of the faculty. It also played out in just how the degree was run. You could pick courses from really any any faculty across the university um yeah so you you were able to kind of craft your own menu of different kind of micro courses to to feed what you wanted to learn um and that was really kind of and is that how you made the connection with google being at stanford being right there in the the epicenter of um the headquarters of world tech it definitely um you know, it, it put me in the right place, um, sort of in the middle of the stream of all of the things that were happening in, in the health AI space, if you like. But the actual connection... I'm going to get carried away. Right. I mean, there is a risk of that. I mean, I think health AI is definitely a field susceptible to hype and over-promising, um, as is the AI field in general. This is sort of why we've had, uh, over the last decades, multiple AI winters where we as a field have overpromised and and underdelivered um but so i think that is something to be cognizant of um but in terms of the connection of google with google that kind of came through some research conferences that i um, okay and, and presented at and kind of met met the team from deepline there and uh then then got put in touch and what about are, are you able to offer an opinion martin on um Australia's use of technology to improve digital health outcomes for patients? Yeah, I think Australia punches above its weight in this department, um, like in many areas of medical research, right? There are some shining lights of uh, digital health in Australia and the academic world, you know, some of the kind of world leaders, I think of Enrico Coyera, for example, at, at Macquarie, right? really a world leader in the academic community around health AI or Luke Oakton Rayner down in South Australia. Um, mm-hmm. There are, again, some of the pioneers in, in the startup world. You know, we have you know, some, I think in large part because there are some, you know, a very strong universities, but also 
large aggregated health data sets in the form of registries or some of the data that the private health sector um, has amassed over the years. That has led to this very fertile environment for digital health startups in Australia. Mm. Um, and then similarly, I mean, thirdly, I think what the um, Australian Digital Health Agency has done at sort of a, a government level in trying to think about a personally controlled you know, health record that is digitized, that connects the different sort of cogs in the health system, I think this is a really you know, impressive thing. Um, I did some, some sort of consulting work at um, one point with the Digital Health Agency and in the years that have followed, you know, I, I keep hearing and seeing in, in, in the literature, you know, Australia is often referenced along with Estonia and a number of the other countries that have really leaned into digital healthcare as, as you know, a good example of sort of national digital health infrastructure, even though, of course, there are, there are many different ways this could be improved on. Um, yes. Compared to, compared to the US and, and a lot of the other you know, big countries, I think Australia overall is, is, is doing a good job. But I will say that there are a whole host of different opportunities that, that we could improve on and, and things that, um, while there are things that Australia does well, I think there are some, some areas where we are behind um, the US. For, for example? One, one thing that has happened in the US, for example, is, is sort of the rise of, well, it happened almost 15 years ago now, the rise of electronic medical records after the High Tech mm-hmm. Act in the US. Yep. And you had this yep. major sort of groundswell of digitization that happened very quickly across the US health system. Um, that came with its own set of problems. But what it did create is, uh, you know, a, a digital health workforce and a, a literacy around informatics and digital health that I think is a little bit more mature in the US than it is in Australia. Okay. We, we are getting there, but it's, it's not yet there. So, for example, the department that I was working in at Stanford uh, had existed for almost 30 years as the medical information systems department. But now we are starting to see at, at, at universities around Australia new digital health faculties being formed, which is terrific. Yeah, good. good. Uh, you know, we, we have some work to go in terms of actually getting that, that depth and breadth of the digital health workforce around Australia. Um, and then, you know, there are these, there are these wicked problems that um, even the US hasn't, hasn't really solved that we are, we are grappling with as well. Like, at, at, at a very high level, how how do we integrate machine learning and AI into a clinical workflow, right? Mm. By all of the hype and news articles around this, and, and despite the sort of pieces of the puzzle slowly coming together, there are still very few examples of, kind of AI in healthcare that is actually used on a daily basis and delivering impact. Um, they're starting to emerge, but they are yes. few and far between. And so I, one thing I think I would, that I'm really focused on, and I think Australia is really poised to become a leader in, is this translational uh, element of how do you get what is a promising technology in silico in, into the bedside, right? or into the hospital and to the bedside. For better patient outcomes. Exactly. Yeah. Just like connecting the dots and like, closing that feedback loop, right? There are, yes. there are yeah. promising 
puzzle pieces that have showed independent value, but actually joining all of those up, I don't think anyone has done that that particularly well at a systems level. So if you look ahead, Martin, um, for you professionally, personally, what's the sort of uh, research and work that you're hoping to do in the future? So I'm interested in digital health systems design, these kinds of questions that we were just talking about. How do we, at a health system level, put the puzzle pieces together so that we can see value from digitization and AI? At this stage, the, the technology is not the bottleneck. You know, machine learning is increasingly commoditized, in my opinion. And, you know, the the challenge is not building the most sophisticated model. It's connecting that model into a human workflow so that the model and the human, be that a patient or a clinician, can, you know, do even greater things together. Mm. Mm. So that's the space that I sort of want to work in um and i'm still trying to figure out um <laughs> what the yeah, best how all that's going to work how yeah I, I i you know as you can tell i'm really passionate about you know digital yeah. health in australia and so yeah. i you know am, am looking for ways to try and work you know, at that sort of systems level in digital health in australia um but i'm also really interested in of leapfrog opportunities for less developed settings. Um, so this work that I mentioned in, in India before, right? Like what we are seeing is that because smartphone penetration is so high, you have these amazing opportunities for less well-resourced communities to leapfrog even the most highly developed health systems in terms of digitization, right? With, with the phone and the patient as the vector for healthcare interoperability, you know, with, with you know, dig, digital data, digital first data kind of on the phone yes. with models yes. sort of, you know, pushed directly to the patient. This is a really exciting space. And so, you know, that's probably my sort of second passion area. How, how do we create uh, robust digital health systems in, in lower resource settings in order to scale healthcare um, globally because you know we're going to face this major shortage especially of um sort of nursing staff around the world doctors included um in in india and indonesia the stats are unbelievable and so we need to find a way to sort of rapidly scale up a healthcare service to sort of improve accessibility there um but there again you know i actually think australia is a really interesting is in an interesting position to do that right they have a we have a, a highly sophisticated health system here with, um, a, you know, accompanied by deep expertise in AI, but we're also on the gateway of Asia PAC. And so kind of doing something in digital healthcare in Australia um, that can then have flow on benefits across the region. I think that's a very exciting space to be. Well, it's great to have you back. You're back in Australia for, well, at least a little a little while. We're, we're glad that you have made it back to Sydney. You are blazing a trail on the world stage and uh, we will be following your career and your research and your progress with much interest. Dr. Martin Senebaratna, thank you so much for coming onto the Scholars Program today. A pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.